0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's good to see everybody here. It's great to be here. Uh, it's a joy to be here. A delight to be here. Uh, y'all have uh, seen my my wife over here, Margaret, right? She had, did, did he, was, you want to stand up? No, she didn't want to stand up. The only reason the only reason Eric invited me back is because of my wife. <laughs> you know uh, that's the that's the truth of it. I'm married up. I know I'm married up. I have no bones or contentions about that. But it is good to be back, it's a delight to be here, um, and especially on, uh, to be a part of this series of sermons, it's an honor for me uh, that you have um, invited me. For those who don't know me, who are new to the community, you know, uh, everybody else knows I'm 95% water, okay? Okay, so uh, I feel things deeply. Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, Eric asked me to say a few things about uh, what we have been doing over the uh, the time since we've left uh, It's been almost fifteen months, sixteen months now uh, since my retirement. I hate retirement <laughs> i'm going to find something to do <laughs> uh, as you know, or some of you know, we moved to uh, Ocala for we were there for eleven months. Uh, my wife 's mother had a house that, that needed to be sold. She had moved into something smaller. Uh, this is a house she lived in for 46 years. It's a family home where the kids were raised and everything. Uh, so we uh, we lived there, fixing it up a little bit. It needed some work done on it, a lot of power washing. <laughs> fixing it up to get it sold. It sold, and uh, we felt the to come back down here, so we moved back down here. Uh, we're living in Sun City Center. Uh, the... Um, golf cart capital of the world <laughs> and uh, we're renting there we haven't really settled down we're still kind of nomadic uh, in nature we're not quite sure where we want to settle we've got a lot of different places we've looked at but I have decided one thing I do not want to live in St. Pete <laughs> we was thinking about that because we have a daughter there and we were even attending a church in St. Pete for a while and it's just too crowded uh, too much traffic. Uh, I just, just, so, unless, unless God says, Wayne, you live in St. Pete, I'm not going to live there, <laughs> so, uh, so that's a little bit about what we've been doing. Uh, I will say this, I have watched more football this past year, especially last season, than I have ever watched in the previous 20 years, Uh and it's been kind of fun. I've also watched more news, and I've even followed sort of the political stuff. Uh, I think I'm going to go back to watching football. <laughs> so so uh, let's pray. Lord God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts. To receive, in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Scripture I want to read for you uh, today is uh, comes from Mark's Gospel. This particular scripture is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke—almost uh, exactly the same. Uh, Luke is a little more embellishes it a little bit more. Uh, but I'm using Mark's gospel because it's, it's the first gospel that, that was written. Uh, I'll be reading first, uh, from the, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brothers Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people follow me and I will make you fish for people follow me is the key in this particular scripture lesson I love the um, the whole title of this series of sermons uh, living your best life who among us does not want to live our best life It's. I I think it's. I think it's a part of our our uh, our psychological DNA. I think it's it's hardwired into us spiritually that we want to live our our best life. Who doesn't want to 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 be the very best they can be? To do the very best they can do? To become the very best that they can become? Who among us? You know, is there is there anybody here that does not want that for themselves? Uh, Isn't that one of the reasons why you're here? Isn't that one of the reasons why you belong to a faith community or even want to belong to a faith community or even exploring the opportunity to belong to a faith community is that you want to live the very, very best life that you can live. I, I, I think the motivation is there. Now, there may be some things in the way. You know, we may be fearful or, you know, some other things. But the motivation is there. The desire is there. One of the questions we need to reflect upon is, how do we define this? How do we define living the best life? And of course, in our particular culture, we define it in in many different ways, don't we? We define it by how successful we are in life. We define it by what we can accomplish, by what we can achieve. We, We define it by what we can accumulate in life. Just look in your garage. Okay, you'll see that you know you're living a pretty successful life, aren't you? <laughs> you know, uh, we uh, we define it by the neighborhoods we live in. We define it by uh, the <laughs> we, we define it by the house we live in, by the car we drive, by the clothes we wear. We define it by the experiences that we have. You know, the, the, all the going to Disney World, you know, if you like going to Disney World or Universal or Sea World or, or going out in the woods, you know, you know that type of thing. We, you know, we have those experiences of life it helps us define, you know, what kind of life that we're, we're, we're living, doesn't it? I mean, those are all different ways. We, we define it by our social standing in the community. We define it by the friends we have that, that we have gathered around us. We define it by the titles we have, don't we? You know, CEO, doctor, lawyer, chief executive, uh, or chief uh, financial officer. You know, uh, teacher, uh, principal, uh, vice president in charge of whatever. Uh, we have all these 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 titles. Special agents, FBI. Not just agent, (laughs) 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 special agent, FBI, you know, Uh, you know, or or, or deputy sheriff or uh, someone who's in charge of some section of some big company and they've got the supervisor sign above their, their door, you know, titles, titles. Here's one for you. The, that's important, you ready? The Reverend Dr. Wayne E. Williams, followed by all the acronyms. You know what I'm talking about? AS, BS, uh, uh, oh, no, got <laughs> Master of Divinity, MDiv, DMIN, Marriage and Family Therapist, CPS. Someone goes, well, I understand what all those others are. What's CPS? I've never heard of that before. And that's the most important one of all. It stands for Chief Pooper Scooper. <laughs> now, you may think I'm referring to my farming days. You know, when I No, nah. there's a lot of churches I served where I've had to do, not this one, not this one, <laughs> but our titles, our titles, the, uh, the things we accomplish, the accumulator, bank account, our stock portfolio, all those things we use to define if we're living the best life we can live. Now, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying this is bad. I'm not saying this is sinful. I'm not saying this is, this is evil. In fact, when I reflect upon this from a psychological perspective, a lot of those things are absolutely necessary for us to, to be able to, to discover ourselves, Discovered our gifts and talents to find a, a to create a life of stability. Uh, we we need those we need those things. I mean, even Jesus referred to this, you know, in chapter six of Matthew, you know, where he's teaching about worry. Have you ever read that worry? No, y'all sleep already. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jesus talking about worry, you know, uh, to his disciples. And he And he says this to his disciples. Even your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. They're a necessary part of life. Not wrong, not bad, not evil, not sinful. But I will tell you this. They don't go far enough. They don't go far enough. Something that's much more important and much more significant in being able to live the very best life that we can live. And that something has been revealed to us in the very first chapter of the Bible. The very first chapter of the of the Bible. This this helps me to understand that that this revelation was present at the very beginning of human consciousness, at the very beginning of spiritual consciousness. Now, some of you may know that the first chapter of the Bible is a creation story. How many of y'all knew that? How many of you did not know that? Don't raise your hand. It's a, it's a creation story. It's not the creation story, because in the Bible itself, we have two creation stories, right, Gary? Gary's a retired clergy too, so he knows all this stuff. So two creation stories. This is the first creation story. This is a creation story where God creates creates or told that God cre- over time. You know, on the first day, he created. He separated the the dark from the the, the light to, from the dark, and he separated the waters from the the sky from the sea, and all all that kind of stuff. On the second day, he did something else. On the third day, he he created something else. On the fourth day, he created something else. You know, he even created all the you know, y'all get tired of killing spiders and bugs and roaches and stuff. You know, or or when you go for a drive and you get all those love bugs, he created all that stuff. Yeah, all that creepy stuff. Yeah. The part I want to share with you is happened on the sixth day of creation according to the story. And this is what it said. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God. You and I, I don't care who you are, what you've done, you and I, every human being that's ever, who's ever walked upon this earth or whoever, whoever will walk upon there is created in the, in the image and the likeness of God. Do you know what that means? It means that your family of origin is Divine. It, it, it means that there is a sacredness to your humanness. It, it, it means that the very image, the very nature, the very uh, who God is, is, is imprinted. It's imprinted on your heart, on your mind, and your soul. It means that the very core, the core of who you are as a human being is good. It's good. In fact, if you continue reading down in that story, at the very end of it, God looked at what He created and said, "Not that it was good, but that it was very good. that it was very good. Do you know you're very good? I know you had a couple of teenagers at home and sometimes it's hard to, hard to do that, but you are very, very good. And, 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 and as a teenager, you get a lot of, you know, get a lot of stuff coming in about how bad teenagers are. You're very good. Good. And I can look at each and every one of you in the eyes and say, you're good. You're very good. You're good. Why? Because you are created, created in the image of God. And this is something that we don't earn. We can't create this. We can't achieve this within our lives. It's there. It's a gift. It's a gift that's been given to you. The only thing that can be done is for it to be discovered and embraced within our lives. But a lot of us have a hard time doing that, don't we? And we refer to this to the original blessing. How many of you all have heard that term before? Not not many. Some of you have the original blessing. We haven't been told that, haven't we, very often. But I can tell you something we've heard a lot about. The original sin. Have you heard about that? How many of you all have heard about the original sin? Everybody's heard about the original sin. That's all I heard about growing up. That's all I heard about for about half of my adult life. And I had been to seminary. (laughs) I never heard about the original blessing in seminary. It wasn't until I was in my mid-40s that I heard that and began to understand that. And and to be able to see what, what that is. You know, the original blessing came before the original sin. original blessing happened in chapter 1. The original sin happened in chapter 3. Yeah. But we have forgotten about the original, or we haven't even discovered it. We haven't even heard about it because all we've been told our whole lives is how sinful we are, how bad we are, how, how wrong we are. Uh, the implications are all, all around us. If we don't achieve the title that we want, there must be something wrong with us. If we're not living in a house we want to live in, there's something wrong with us. We must be sinful. If we are, you know, if we're not, uh, uh, if we don't, can't take the vacation we want to take or have the experience in this life or provide those for our children, then there's something wrong. You know and, and, and we think of those in those terms, you know, we're taught to think in those terms again and again and again. And what happens is that original blessing gets covered up. We can't see it. Jesus speaks to this in a parable. How many of y'all heard a parable about the treasure in the field? Well, we've got one person, two people, three people, four people, five people, six people. <laughs> you know, this farmer goes out, he might be Cowboy Bob, I don't know, you know. <laughs> He goes out into the field uh, to pl- and, and This is the way I envision it. It's not this is not the way it's told, you know, but it's the, it's the way I envision. He goes out to work in the field. That's what we're told he goes out and work. I feel he's, he's out there, he's behind the ox, he's got the, he's got the plow, you know. They didn't have John Deere tractors back in those days. And he's he's plowing along, and he's going along, and he's just working, sweating up a storm, and all of a sudden he hits something, boom. And he begins to dig around and he finds this box. This box in the field, and he goes, Oh wow, this box. And he opens up the box, and his eyes get about that big. You've seen those cartoons, right? The eyes get about that big. And he shuts the lid. And he looks around, makes sure no one else is it. And he buries it back in the field, you know. And then he goes, and he sells everything he has. He sells it all. Even his black Ford F-150. <laughs> he sells it all. And he says... T- he takes, and he takes the money, he goes, buys the field, so he can have the treasure. And the reason he's willing to do this is because he has discovered how valuable how valuable that treasure is. See, the, the image of God is that treasure that's buried in the, the hearts in the field of our hearts in minds, waiting to be discovered, waiting to be embraced, waiting to, to, to be able to, to just cherish it and realize how valuable it is and how much it is worth within our lives, and that it's more valuable, worth more valuable than anything else. To know, to know at the very deepest level of who you are, that you are created in the image of God. That you that, that that God is in you, is the most valuable, the most valuable treasure we can have, and to, and to and to and to take part of that and to embrace it within our lives. The problem is, is that, uh, as I said before, we sometimes have a hard time believing that, don't we? Because of all the dirt <laughs> that's piled up on top of it. One of the reasons I believe Jesus was... Oh, gosh. I'm looking at the clock. Um, Dinner's going to be late, guys. Uh, One of the reasons why Jesus came to walk upon the earth is to to help us to discover that treasure that's buried within us and continue to discover it again and again and again within, within our lives. When Jesus said... Come, follow me. I will make you fish for people. We often interpret that in very narrow terms. The church... interprets that in very narrow terms. We usually interpret that in terms of evangelism, don't we? Come follow me and fish for people. Come follow me we're going to bring people into the church. I'm going to show you how to bring people into the church, that type of thing. But it's, it's got a much broader definition, a much deeper definition. And we, we, we forget that. We, we forget to look at that within the larger context of God's call upon our lives. Jesus, What Jesus is saying, come follow me and let me help you discover that treasure. Come, follow me, and, 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 and let me show you where it is, how to look for it. Come, follow, follow me. I, I, I want to show you something about yourself that you never knew before that's so valuable in helping you to live the life that God's calling you to live and to be the person that God is calling you to live. It is the following of Jesus. But you know there's a difference between believing in Jesus and following Jesus. There is. A lot of people don't 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 see that. You can believe in exercising. <laughs> oh yeah, I believe exercise can help me lose weight, can, can help me be fit and that type of stuff, but it's not going to do you any good until what you actually do it, right? Oh, you're telling me to no. oh. Yeah, you, know, you know he's got a, you know it's, it's it's you know there's a difference. Following has to do about participating in. Believing is just simply a mental exercise that that we go through. I I can believe that the planes fly, that that plane flies, but I'm never going to experience that until I get on the plane, right? There's a difference between believing and following, and Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, come and believe in me. He said, come and follow me. It was an invitation to a journey. Invitation to a relationship. A relationship that's lived out in a vertical way and in a horizontal way. The vertical way is, is that the, follow, following Jesus to learn about the nature of God which is imprinted within our hearts and minds, and to realize what a precious gift that is, and to live that relationship out by reflecting that image in one another's lives. We do that by following Jesus. And of course, one of the primary ways that we follow Jesus is we have to what? Read Scripture. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and and John. Those are the four books within the Bible that, 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 that tell us about Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, I am the Father one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So in following Jesus, we see... Do I have to connect all the points? The Father. We see the nature of God. We see who God is, His true nature. A God that, that's not condemning, because Jesus said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't, he didn't come to condemn. He came into the world... To save the world by revealing to us the true nature of God, which is a nature of love and, 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 and grace and mercy. Remember what he said upon the cross? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They do not know how much dirt they continue to pile on <laughs> the treasure that's there because that's all they've been told. That's all they've been able to look, seen to look for. Following Jesus helps us to see something different about ourselves. But it's not easy, is it? I, I know I should have got an amen on that one. <laughs> it's not easy. You know, you read the scriptures, and some of those things you read in the scriptures, you know. Now, there's some scriptures we like. There's some cher- scriptures we cherish. We relish in those scriptures, don't we? When we read about God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness, when we read about his blessings, you know, oh, we relish those things. And we cherish those things. We meditate upon those things. Oh, it's just, they, just, they make us feel so good. But there are other scriptures that, oh, we don't like. Someone slap you on the right cheek, turn and give them the left cheek. I don't know about you, I don't like that scripture. <laughs> Do you like that scripture? That's, not, that's, that's Or, or, or um, what about the, the, the scripture that uh, says you are to love those who persecute you? hard time with that one or, or, or there, there's a story story in the bible that i really have a hard time with it's a story about this guy who owns this he, he's, he's bringing in the harvest he goes out in the morning he gets some workers to help him bring in the harvest and then he goes out about 10 o'clock and gets some more workers and bring in to, to help bring in the harvest then he goes out at noon then he goes out at, at two o'clock and then he goes out an hour an hour before closing time before the end of day of work he goes out and he gets some more workers to bring in the harvest because he wants the whole harvest to come in that particular day and then at the end of the day he pays them all the same god i hate that scripture i don't like that scripture oh yeah we can we can sit here sit here you know and say oh yeah that's 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 good scripture yeah i I understand that scripture But when it happens to you, when you're the person in the morning that's been working all day long and you get paid the same amount as a person who's only worked an hour, I guarantee you, you won't like that. I'll even bet you a dollar. (laughs) You won't like that. There are some scriptures we don't like. You You know, it's those particular scriptures that that's where we need to be. Let I me, mean, let me. Let me give you an example, a deeper example. Can I do that? Without offending you? Is that okay? okay. I need some affirmation. Okay. Say someone, let's say someone. It's personal. Okay? Let's say someone hurts you deeply. Let's say someone says something or does something. So it says something that hurts you deeply or does something that is unfair. Just completely unfair. You don't know why. You haven't done anything wrong. you know? but, but they've hurt you deeply. They've treated you unfairly. I mean, and sometimes, depending on the severity, that can cut deep, can it? And can cut, cut very deep. Jesus says, remember following, Jesus says, forgive that person. Yeah, right. I mean, that's sort of our initial response, isn't it? Yeah, right. You want me to forgive this person? You want me to forgive uh, this organization? Want me to forgive that company for for what they've done to me? It's hard, isn't it? Difficult. And a lot of times we will respond to this in one different in in, in one of three different ways. Okay. Sometimes we respond to that by becoming a victim. You know, we retreat back into our shell. We we waller. And, and, and you know this. I, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm just I'm just describing it. You know, we we waller in the hurt. We waller in. The, you know, why why did they do this? I don't understand why they did this. You know, it's not fair. You know, and, and we just waller there. We just stay there. Another another way that we respond to this is. I'm going to get even. Right, I'm going to take revenge. I'm going, to take, I'm going to take revenge on this person. I'm not going to let this person get away with it. I'm not going to let them, that company, get away with it. I'm not going to let, 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 let uh, whoever it is. I'm not going to let them get away with it. I'm going to make them hurt more than they have hurt me. Revenge. I'm going to slap them back harder than they slap me instead of turning the other cheek. That's the, that's the second way. Are you, are you with me? Do, do, do you feel me? Have you been there? All right. Now this is the third way that we do it: righteous indignation. Righteous indignation. We don't. We don't. We don't waller in it. We don't become the victim. We don't. We know we're going. Oh, I'm not going. To, I'm not going to take revenge on this person. I'm not going to slap them back. But we take on this attitude that because. We're not going to slap them back. Because we're not going to take revenge on them, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. You know, we walk around, are walking around going, I'm being who God wants me to be. You know, we have sort of this, 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 this pridefulness, righteous indignation to it. And you know, all three of those have payoff. All three of those have payoff. That's why we fall, we fall into it so so very often become a victim you know we retreat back we share with our friends we share with our friends you know what has happened to us what do our friends do they have empathy for us oh man i'm sorry this happened to you john you know it wasn't fair that you know they didn't give you that promotion it wasn't fair you know that that's your your supervisor chewed you out for something you didn't do you know it says let me take you out to lunch can i do that yes sir. Yeah, see see there's payoff You know, our friends, our friends gather around us. And they they give us, they show us that empathy. There's a payoff there for us. The same way with, uh, with revenge. We've all heard it. Sweet revenge, you know. We take revenge on it. It shows that we have more power and more authority than they do because we have hurt them more than they have hurt us. It gives us a sense of pride, doesn't it? Hmm? And then, of course, the righteous indignation is, "Hey, I'm closer to God because I didn't take revenge on this person. There's no way that I'm going to uh, become a victim here. You know, I'm, 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 God, God, and I got something really good going on here. You know, I'm I'm, just, I'm holier than now, type of thing. So they all three have payoffs that we we tend to embrace." but they don't help us to live the best life we can live. There's something, there's a bigger payoff. There's a bigger payoff, but we have to be willing to risk for that bigger payoff. And Jesus is saying here in this particular situation, you need to forgive this person. I don't care how hard it is. I understand the depth, and he does. He understands. I mean, he was nailed to a cross. Talk about being treated unfairly, you know. He was nailed to a cross by preaching the love of God. Uh, he says, you, you got to forgive this person. You got you to forgive this person. And to forgive this person, you have to stay in relationship with them. Some kind of relationship. Because if if forgiveness does not lead to some kind of reconciliation, then I'm not sure it's forgiveness. I'm not sure. Now, I may be wrong. And I know there are times when when you can't be continuing a relationship because the other person has run away and they continue to deny. And it's almost like it's a one sided thing, right? But in that one sided thing, We can still forgive that person and find reconciliation. And the reconciliation we find is the reconciliation within our hearts, in our minds, in the depth of our souls. God, that's hard. God, that's hard. You know, God doesn't expect us to be perfect at it. We expect to be perfect, don't we? Don't we want to be perfect? You know? Don't we want to have all those those different things? We, we don't have perfect. I found in life, out in life, <clears throat> this is my own little little piece of wisdom that I've discovered, is that following Jesus is not a linear path that leads from one point to another. The following Jesus often means taking three steps forward, discovering something, and then all of a sudden you find yourself taking two steps back. Has that ever happened to you yeah and it's not it's not a- it's not a straight line, it's not a straight line sometimes there's a lot of wandering around, You know, much like my preaching <laughs> you gotta wander around and sometimes you gotta cover the same territory three, four or five times, you know. That's why I love the the wilderness story so much about the people of Israel going from, you know, from captivity to the promised land. You know, they wandered around in that desert. They had to cover the same territory three or four times. There was a shorter way to get there. But God had to lead them around and around and around until they learned what they needed to learn about themselves and about the gift that they had within them. And when we learn about that gift, when we're continually learning about that gift, continuing to embrace that gift, continuing to reflect that gift within our lives, one of the things that we discover is all those other things that we use to determine, all those other things we use to determine to, you know, how we're living our lives, the success, the accomplishments, the portfolio, the car, the neighborhood, the title, all those other things, they no longer become the goal we realize that they are really secondary. And they become the means to discover something that's much more valuable. Much more important. Much more significant. The gift of being that person who is created in the image of God and willing to reflect that gift In the world. Let's pray. Dear God. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Uh, Thank you for your love and grace and mercy within our lives. Thank you for the gift that's inside of us. Help us dear God. To follow Jesus. Help us to participate in the things he's calling us to participate in. That we may continue to discover this gift. And live this gift. And reflect this gift within our lives. That we may enjoy your presence and know your presence more deeply, and that we may glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.